And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty have dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty have afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. So I'm on the influence of a godly mother, in this case, a mother-in-law. Hey, on the surface, you look at this, and you see maybe see a woman that's just in despair, um, discouraged for well she is, and, and just feels like the Lord has um, dealt bitterly with her, that she's under the chastisement of the Lord. But in here, we see a mother that has been an example to her. You just can't take away the feelings and the emotions that she's going through. You um, take what she's been going through, a famine in the land. Family in the land where um, food is scarce. They went to live in Moab, and that may have been a mistake there, and then moving to Moab, um, a place that would have been very pagan over there. And we see that her husband dies. Who's there? Dies. Ten years later, her two sons die. And so, I don't know any woman that would not be discouraged after losing their husband and losing their sons. But she had heard that the Lord had made provision in her former um, homeland of Judah. That back home where they were initially from, that God was blessing the people there with food. Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, to go ahead and return to their mother's house, so to go back to their homeland, to, um, so that they did not feel pressure that they had to go along with her um, where she went, that she was going to be taking, making a big move that would be unfamiliar to them. And so first she says, go ahead and go back home. This doesn't mean that she really wanted them to leave, but just possibly out of guilt feel like she just they shouldn't necessarily keep following her wherever she went. She felt it's the chastisement of the Lord was upon her. They both wept, and they both at first said they would go with her. And Naomi lets them know, you know what, I can't give you another husband. I don't know what good it's going to be um, to stay with me. Now, even if I was to have a husband and was to have children, you know, the likelihood of you waiting and not getting married until they grew up, it's not likely at all. So she tells him again, go ahead and go. And Orpah um, kissed her goodbye. Um, and she's like, all right, I'll go. But Ruth played to her. She wanted to stay. Um, she, she did not want to leave. She said, entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from falling after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. 
Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. That she's like, you know, I'm willing to forsake the gods of my way and to follow after your God. I'm willing to come with you. Why did Ruth want to stay with Naomi? Why didn't she want to go back? She had other family. She had a mother, possibly a dad, to um, go back to. I believe it's likely... Naomi's example and influence. Ruth saw how Naomi handled herself in the family. Ruth must have saw Naomi as a good mother to her sons and knew firsthand how caring of a mother-in-law she was. Otherwise, Ruth would have returned to her own family if Naomi was a bad example. We do see Orpah um, goes back, um, and perhaps she was maybe closer to her other family, or maybe she just wanted to go back <clears throat> to her gods. Um, we're not really told the rest of the story there, but we see that Ruth wanted to stay. It's possible she also learned how to be a good wife. Um, Ruth herself became a good wife to Boaz later on, as you read the book of Ruth. And so it seems likely that she took Naomi as her model. You know, in the church, you know, there has to be godly, motherly woman in the church. Go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And we're not going to belabor this in Titus too much because we'll be preaching through Titus once we get through um, the book of Timothy. Titus chapter 2 and verse um, 3 says, The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior, is become of holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So we see that a mother um, or a woman are encouraged to have a behavior of holiness, to, to be holy, that people should be able to look to you and see this person's holy, this person loves the Lord, this person's set apart from the world, not in the sense of isolating them away from being an influence in the world, but that they are isolated in the sense of not participating in worldly sinful ways. To not be um, false accusers or busybodies. Go ahead and um, turn to 1 Timothy 5. Verse Timothy 5, in verse 13. Uh, and with all they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, 
and not only idle, but tattlers, and also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger woman, Mary, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Um, there again we see that you see in Titus and in Timothy where he says we don't want the Lord spoken of reproachfully. We don't want the word of God to be blasphemed. And it talks about the godliness of the woman and, and then how not to be ungodly. And um, how um, Harry encouraged the younger woman who were widows to um, get remarried, to, to um, get married and stuff. And, and because some of them end up just being tattled. They end up becoming busybodies in other people's matters. We see back again in Titus, not giving too much wine, that um, to not be under the influence of alcohol, but that there to be an example. We need motherly teachers. You know, and we see that um, here it tells the aged woman to teach the younger. Now, you know, it's not simply the pastor's job to teach the Word of God, but it's for the ladies to teach the younger ladies the Word of God, to, to be an example, to be a mentor to them. Another woman could be a mentor to another young lady in the ways that I, as a man, as a pastor, cannot be. And it could also be received in a greater way when being taught by another that models both the challenges and the blessings it is of being a mother or being a woman. Don't assume that younger people don't want help or advice from you. You see, Orpah went her way, but Ruth was interested in being with Naomi. She wanted Naomi's wisdom. The Bible says we teach her of good things, teaching of what is holy and godly, having taught their own children well. Older women now have the responsibility for teaching younger women in the church, encouraging them to also be righteous and godly wives and mothers. As with many worldly influences, the feminist movement has made great inroads in the church. In the name of women's rights, the word of God is dishonored, it's being sexist, unfairly limiting, and, and, and so they want to look at the word of God negatively, but one that models it well, where we see a husband loves the wife, is Christ loved the church, and the lady follows her husband and nurses her children and admonishes them in the Lord, the peace that passes all understanding. Naomi, we would get back into Ruth, we see some good traits of Naomi even in the midst of being under a lot of distress. In Ruth 1.8, says, And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Something we see here with Naomi is she expresses appreciation to her daughters-in-law. She tells them what they've done well, that, that they have dealt kindly with her. That they were there with her as grieving when her own husband passed away. 
And so one thing in growing and learning to, to be a godly Christian, man or woman, is to learn to show appreciation to others. The reason we have to have a Mother's Day is because we need a reminder to show that appreciation at times. So often, and I know my wife does so much, that I don't remember to say thank you to show appreciation. And, you know, no matter how much I did do, say I was the top in the world and showed appreciation in my life, it still would not be worth it. Still would not be enough with how much my wife does and of many of the women in the church. Remember to show appreciation. We see, secondly, she expresses good wishes for them. She's hoping for their betterment, for their good. She's, she's not wishing ill upon them. She has good wishes for them. She says, the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And so she wanted them to be able to find rest, and, and that for them to be able to find a future husband. We see that their weeping shows a bond of love between them. That Orwell and Ruth both love Naomi. Ruth saw how Naomi handled grief. The good and the not so good. But she understood that the grief was real. That it was of a great magnitude. The grief was simply honest. It was human. She complained that she felt that God was dealing with her bitterly. Could totally understand that. Now, what man or woman does it in times when life is going tough in their life? At least they stand and thank Lord. Am I being chastised? Am I being punished for something? And this self-examination is good. You know what David said? Pointing to the Lord, examine my heart, reveal, see if there's any wicked way in me. So the examination is good. We just don't want to get stuck there. If, say, the Lord doesn't reveal anything to us, nothing comes to mind. That sometimes hardships come to show the glory of God. We may not understand it at the time, but we see um, that the men asked of the blind man, why was this man born blind? <clears throat> was it his sin? Or was it the sin of his parents? And Jesus said neither. It wasn't because of the parents. It wasn't because of him. But that the glory of God would shine forth. And he was able to see. Now that maybe doesn't happen to all of us, where like, hey, a deaf, deaf person hears, a blind person sees, but there may be a reason that we may not know when difficulties come. Sometimes it could be to grow us. Sometimes it could show us to learn to have the appreciation when the Lord then changes and then we receive a blessing. Sometimes it could be a good thing is taken away because even though we may still be going to church, our eyes aren't truly on the Lord fully. 
that our trust is not completely in Him. Sometimes He could take finances away. So we learn to trust in Him. So we're honest, you know what? Once God gives us a job, He's provided for us, we can start to think that, hey, we're well taken care of, and to think is of our own merit and our own doing, and forgetting that promotion and demotion cometh from the Lord. Bible talks about them with kings. God put them up kings and he bring them down. And sometimes God may bring us down for a period to then later bring us up. The process may be painful, but last not be blind to what the Lord maybe is wanting to teach us and grow us and develop us and to put our trust back in him. We see that even with this hardship, where Naomi feels like, you know what, God's still bitterly with me, she did not allow her grief to destroy her faith. She was having a hard time, but it did not destroy her faith. She still understood that the Lord had provided in Bethlehem, back in her homeland, and she led her family, led her and her daughter-in-law to go back there where God was, where God was with his people. She had a hard time. She had her doubts, but she did not allow her trials to totally destroy her faith. And Ruth saw that. Ruth was with her along that journey. And Ruth had her own hardships, losing her own husband. Ruth saw the source of Naomi's strength was in Naomi's faith in God, even when the going was tough. And she said, Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. She saw Jehovah God is superior to the gods of Moab. She saw the true God is the loving God. The primary gods, god of the Moabites was Shemash, the variation um, of Moab, where they would sacrifice their children unto these idols. She saw that Jehovah was different through Naomi. And this was not because she had no sorrows, not because she had no tragedies or no disappointments. Faith did not isolate her from the harsh realities of life, but faith did insulate her so that they could be endured. Okay, so again, faith did not isolate her from the hardships, but it did insulate her so she could endure through those times. Naomi had faith in spite of all that had gone wrong. Life was not easy for them. And life may will be at times not be easy for us. But faith can live in our hearts, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Though Naomi did not always understand why things were happening the way they did, she still had an indestructible faith in her God. She passed on that legacy to Ruth. One man said this, men are what their mothers made them. 
I understand that's not going to be always 100% the case. And as they say, you know, people do have a free will. But it does go far to shaping and the molding of a mother on her children. Traditionally, typically, the mother is home with the children more than the father is. And while the father has definitely a role that cannot be neglected, we see how pivotal the role of a woman is in mothering her children, often spending much more time with them. Abraham Lincoln stated this, No one is poor who has a godly mother. If you have a godly mother, then you're rich in that area. We see that Naomi gave Ruth a great lesson of faith and hardship. Ruth truly gave Naomi a gift as well. You go ahead and turn to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which have not left thee this day without a kinsman that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law which love of thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, have borne thee. And Naomi took the child, and laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And the woman, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born in Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And she was able to then give her another grandchild. This maybe was through another man that was not her own son, but that her relationship with her daughter-in-law was so great that it was as if she was her own daughter um, herself. And we see with that grandchild what, what would be a child who was the ancestor of King David. You imagine that. That a king would come through her grandchildren's lineage. And not only that, but King Jesus would be in that lineage. That Ruth saw an example in Naomi. And Naomi was going through a hard time, but it did not destroy her faith. And God rewarded her. Imagine what she experienced in that. No doubt her lineage would eventually be the Son of God Himself. The Redeemer. In, in Naomi, we do see an example of a godly woman. But you know, today, in Jesus, all of us be more than just an example. 
the close of a gospel preaching service, an intelligent looking man came to the minister and said, I do not see any necessity for the blood of Christ in my salvation. I can be saved without believing in his shed blood. The preacher goes, very well. How then do you propose to be saved? He says, by following his example, that is enough for any man. That's the response a lot of people have today. Oh, I don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, don't say. Say, so, but he was a good man, he was a good example to follow. And if there is a heaven, I'll make it by following his example. The preacher said, very well, I am sure that you want to begin right. The Word of God tells us how to do that. I read here concerning Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. I suppose that you can say that of yourself too. The man became visibly embarrassed. Well, he said, I cannot say exactly. I have sometimes sinned. The preacher then says, in that case, you do not need an example, but a Savior. And the only way of salvation is by his shed blood. So if you don't know Jesus is your Savior, but you know you need more than an example, you need a Savior. Let's go ahead and pray. So we have a time of invitation, time of prayer. What an example we have in the young be the God of the Lord being a godly follower of Jehovah. But more than that, we need a Savior. Whenever He is our Savior, the Bible does say, walk as He walked. We say we're in Christ, so walk even as He walked. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Hebrews 11, we're told of many of these men and women. And what was written was written for our example. Samples of godly living, examples of victory over different types of hardship, victory over different enemies. Jesus is our Savior. 
pray, Lord, that we may go forth today and be a blessing to our mothers, to our grandmothers, to those we love. Help us, Lord, to always try to remember to show appreciation. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope you have a happy Mother's Day. And also, um, we do have a little photo booth area there. If you want to get a photo with your family before taking off and um, get a picture taken, and, and you can um, fellowship or head out on your way and have a wonderful day. And I'm also there to grab some more roses and um, some other gifts out there as well. God bless you. Shake hands. Fellowship, be free.